Welcome to episode 76 of Forging the Journey. We discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, dude. What's new in your world? Oh, man. Lots. Just, well, lots of the same old, but it's all still pretty new to me. Just, uh, we're enjoying the summer as much as we can. It's so stinking hot. But uh, I got the doors uh, got the doors off the jeep today, and enjoyed my short drive into work. I'm looking forward to driving around a little more that way, and uh, kind of getting ready. I'm going to be on, be on vacation next week, so it's kind of crunch time here to try to get as much done as I can this week before I leave next week. Um, I feel like every year that's the uh, the recurring theme for Greg around July. You take a vacation pretty much this time every year yeah yeah and then the crazy and then i'm home for like six days and then we fly out to california for a week so my days in the next month are pretty limited then after that it should be pretty pretty smooth sailing school starts back up however that's going to look We'll start back up and kind of get back to more of the, more of the grind. So I'm also, I'm also winding down on my, on my, uh, on my free schedule that I've enjoyed since March of being able to wake up early and be able to actually get, get more work done. So. Yeah. Yeah. Summer is an awesome time. It just, uh, it's a little weird this year. I feel like it's already, already gone i mean we're going to be in the fall before we know it which is an awesome time of year that's my favorite time my of favorite, year too yeah. to kind of get the content we want to get i mean right now we have a bunch of different range days planned out and tomorrow is one of them where we're going to be heading out getting some video content um, it's just so hot by the end of the day you're just beat yeah and it's not it's not always the i mean tomorrow will be the fun fun kind of shooting it's just a bunch of drills and getting stuff on video but when you're shooting content it's not always fun it's just a lot of thinking you know my brain is trying to foresee what i want in a video and make sure i get those shots and then it never fails that i i usually end up missing something or at least i feel like i'm missing something until i start editing and then i'm stressing out and so yeah but i i did in other news did update my camera rig which i have sitting behind me nobody else can see it but i finally invested in some crazy kind of robot yeah that pretty much is i finally invested in a five inch hd monitor for my camera which is awesome because i i oftentimes have multiple different people using the camera and if i'm talking or whatever sometimes it's hard to see that i'm in frame and all that other stuff so having this big monitor is going to make it easier for anybody on our team you know, to jump in and help use the, uh, the gimbal when we're on the range. So I'm excited about that. But Yeah, that's awesome. How's things going back in the, in the shop? Good, man. I, things kind of – I'm not going to say slowed down because sales really haven't slowed down, but we started producing a lot more kind of in, in anticipation of what's coming in fall. <clears throat> So we started really ramping up 
producing, especially like the ADAP systems and all that stuff. So we're trying to keep things stockpiled because I said it before and I'll continue to say it. I just think that fall is going to get really insane and we're trying our best to be proactive about being in front of that because earlier this year with the material issues we had and all the headaches around that, although it wasn't our fault and it was all based around this whole pandemic thing, it, it still was such a pain in the butt. I hate posting lead times. And, and so we're doing everything in our power possible to avoid that. And again, that's why we're investing in some new equipment and gearing people up for a, a bigger manufacturing push in the fall. So it's kind of just focusing on that right now. And then a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people aren't really going to see it's bidding on bigger government jobs and, and trying to get some of those in all the, all the while working on some final tweaks for some other products and things. So pretty much the same, you know, the same old, same old, I feel like, but it's been a, a crazy year. And I think once I get out of the summer and through the fall and we're at the end of the year, kind of in November, December is when I'm, really kind of reminiscing on what occurred over the past year. Yeah. And that's when I think the reality of how hectic this year was is going to hit me. (laughs) I'm just going to be so tired in November and December. I just feel it already. Yeah. And that's, that's not when you want to be tired and, and, uh, and stuff, you know, that's your There's, that's shopping season, man. That's we're actually starting to. We came up with a plan yesterday. We're just gonna we're gonna take like ten percent of, of of everything as we build Neo Mags each day um, or each week. We're gonna take ten percent of what we build and put them put them aside. Ten percent of Century straps we get in and and just all those things. We're gonna get, we're gonna start putting that stuff put that stuff to the side and get that ready for Christmas time. Um, just so we're not trying to crunch in October, you know, trying to build stuff for November. Yeah. It's always, it's hectic and, and frustrating trying to figure out exactly what we need for this year because we've just been thrown so many curveballs. Like last year, I felt like going into the fall, I was able to kind of predict a little bit about what, what we would need and and there weren't crazy world events and things going on that were completely flipping everything on its head. So this year's going to be interesting and I am excited for it. I'm not, I'm not fearful of fall or anything like that, but I'm just curious. I'm curious to see if what I'm thinking is going to happen is going to happen. And if it does, we're in for a, a little bit of a crazy ride. That's all good stuff. That's obviously that's what you want with your small business. But sometimes it's just hard to, it's like you're on kind of like a a crazy horse or something. And at some points it just gets really crazy. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's been, there's been so much good, good from all this craziness that, that I'm trying to capitalize on this year. 
um, with I'm really trying to use this year as, as an opportunity to um, to try to make some purchases on some things that that, that maybe I I was afraid to do before. Um, you know, I, I got the second CNC machine and I'm really thinking about trying to sell the mini mill and get another VF2, which is just a much bigger machine. Um, I've had some phone calls recently for, you know, for some other companies that want to do some collaborations that basically want to, is basically going to double again, what I'm, what we're doing, which is tripled. Uh, so there's just, you know, there's some really cool opportunities coming up and I want to be able to do it. You know, I don't want to have to say no to, you know, more work. So I'm thinking about trying to get rid of the, the mini mills. If anybody listening is looking for a, what a, like one and a half year old Haas super mini mill, hit me up. Um, yeah, that, that, that'd be really cool. I would love to, you know, so for the Neomag, we, we have one of our, our employees hand bends every single pocket clip builds. I mean, he's bent thousands and thousands of clips and that's probably our biggest, um, our biggest pinch point and in, in production is our clips. I would love to, to figure out a way to automate that at least some of it. And we talked to a company last year about it and they quoted us some crazy amount for it. And honestly, it's getting to the point where I'm thinking about going back <laughs> and trying to figure yeah. out how to make that happen just cause, um, I mean, yeah, it would cost a lot of money and we may not start making money on clips. I don't know. It might take a couple of years potentially, but to automate that process would would really just help us to expand and be able to to push more on on the Neomag product line. So I don't know. Me and Dusty also have, have kind of sketched up some ideas of of making it ourselves. I mean, I've got CNC machines and and have friends with other uh, machines that can help us make make something ourselves. So we're even trying to look into that, but you know, we don't have time to engineer and build a custom clip bending machine. So we might have to pay someone else big money for it, but this is kind of the year to do it. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's funny to me that we're having these conversations when back in February, March, <laughs> we'd be like, it's just, it, I think we're really blessed in the fact that um, we are having a lot of good sales or we've seen a lot of good growth in the business. I'm, I'm super thankful for that because a couple months ago I was thinking, holy crap, we're going to have a major problem this year. Yeah. So it, it's, that's why this is so weird to me. It just blows my mind when I'm thinking about the growth we've experienced because we're thinking the same things and you know like i said we already pulled the trigger on that bigger bigger cnc table so that's gonna up our production capacity looking down the road for when it makes sense to grab that fiber laser so that we can do like what you're saying i have two other companies that want to collaborate with us 
for products that currently we just don't have the equipment to produce. Now you bring on two different collaborations and now the amount of work that we have coming through is going to be insane. Yep. So we're, we're constantly, you know, my, I'm not hunting other opportunities just to keep machines running, if that makes sense. But if I find a strategic partnership of some sort, that's really profitable and then it keeps the machines going. That's what I'm looking for. Cause I, I have other friends in manufacturing that all they do is make tens of thousands of pieces and they make very little money on each piece. And it's just very boring, very repetitive stuff. But we have a couple cool opportunities that I've kind of hinted about on the podcast, probably for over a year because we've been building the relationships and, trying to figure out when the right time would be to jump into something. And I think that the, that the time for that is very soon. Um, we're just, I'm just so uncertain. I, I'm, I'm nervous in some aspects to make major investments. And I, I know my business partners are as well, but at the other end of the spectrum, it's like, like you said, now is kind of the, the year of all years that if you're going to do anything or you're going to make an investment in staff or, you know, some other piece of equipment, it, it's just like, man, for a lot of these companies that didn't shut down and that had a good marketing operation or funnel and, you know, had presence online and are selling products like we are, they're doing really well. So yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things we're just kind of gauging as we go. Yeah. But, and, 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 you know, just, <clears throat> I feel like if, if I can use this year to make some of those bigger purchases and be able to pay on them aggressively, then if slash when things slow down, those things aren't going to be a taxing investment, you know? They'll have, I'll be able to pay aggressively on them, if not pay them off. And our production capacity is going to be, going to be better. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, whereas if I would have done, if I would have done the purchase like that last year, I'd be, or, or before I would be kind of pinching those pennies and trying to, and trying to, you know, see how far I could stretch that that stuff out, but, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's been some really cool opportunities this year and, and those opportunities that I've taken, I've been so thankful that I did just with the other CNC machine and the laser and, and that big air compressor, you know, it just, all these things as I get them and bring them in, I'm so thankful that we have them cause it's, it just opens up, it opens up new opportunities that we can, you know, we can open that door and we can go through it cause we can and it's just it's bringing in more more sales and opportunities so because <clears throat> if i hadn't got the second cnc machine i mean we'd just be skating by and these other opportunities these phone calls that i'm having you know with these collaborations those those wouldn't be happening because uh, uh, i would have just had to say no from uh, from the get-go right so yeah you've said it before it's, it's like when you get that new piece of equipment or new whatever oftentimes you find opportunities that open up through that but 
you know, that's not justifying just like going out and recklessly buying equipment just to, to buy it because you could, you could hurt your business if you're not smart. Yeah. But if you have the funds or you have the income coming into the company that it makes sense and, and you can afford it, oftentimes, I mean, every, every time we have invested in something, it has opened up opportunities for us to do other things as well. So yeah, that's, that's just the reality of it. I mean, aside from equipment, one of the other things we're looking at now is another camera for me because we're going to be converting one of ours to night vision, um, IR spectrum. So we'll be doing a lot of night vision content shortly. So it's definitely not a piece of equipment that creates our product, but another it's in the same spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to, we're going to be discussing that later and, and seeing if that's something we can do now or if we need to wait. But I think we'll be able to swing it now and that'll up the, uh, up the other content game as well. Nice. I don't know if you saw that, but Canon just released the R5. Mm -hmm. uh, dude, that camera is unreal. I, I can't wait to get my hands on one take it for a spin it's essentially what i have now but it has the ability to shoot 8k raw footage um, high frame rate for 4k so super crispy stuff high frame rates cool for b-roll and shooting guns and catching all the action i cannot wait yeah that's crazy yeah i i keep thinking about about getting a new camera um i have a couple of buddies that are shooting sony's and I never even would have considered a Sony in the past, but uh, seeing seeing what these guys are doing with these these Sonys, I'm thinking about offloading my Nikon, and which which does great, but there's there's a notable difference between uh, you know you know between what these guys are doing with the Sonys and and stuff. So I don't know. It's 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 not real high on my list of purchases to make but uh no, I, I have quite a few other things to do before that but it's uh I mean, once i get down you know once i go back on that on the camera road i, I can i can take a deep dive down there <laughs> and you can go down the rabbit hole yeah i can go down there because a lot is changing as we speak yeah. on all all the brands i mean they're coming out with insanely powerful cameras and you know i I look back on our journey so far and TA targets started as, you know, we just make steel targets, but what I see it as and what I want it to become is I want people to recognize us as much for our targets as our content and our ability to create the most professional marketing in the gun industry as, as, as good as anything else you've ever seen. And some of that's just over time, I'm going to have to add to our team because that takes people. I'm not going to profess to be the, the best at any part of digital marketing, but adding people that have a lot of experience with all of the different aspects is going to be critical to doing that. You know, I, I look at, 
my friends like Drew and Lucas and them over at T-Rex, and I know some people listening may not may find them polarizing, but I'm not addressing that aspect here. Just the fact that the content that they're able to create because they have three guys full-time doing it um, is is amazing. And so that's that's why I get so excited about camera gear and content creation because that's what I see as the heartbeat of the company. And not everybody's company is going to be like that. Because um, uh, with, with nowadays, with what you can do with a, a cell phone and social media, I mean, you don't have to go down the rabbit hole of having the craziest camera. But if that's something you, you know, if that's one of your objectives through your company and you want to step that game up, then over time, yeah, you'll, you'll end up investing in other gear and going down that rabbit hole. So the thing about, <clears throat> about them and their video, and this is something I, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of people in the industry, whether they like, like them or not, or, or, or what they think about, <clears throat> about them. Um, you can't, you can't get, what am trying to say? You can't, uh, you can't ignore the fact that they're crushing it. And, and you start to kind of, I mean, you look at other companies that you see or you feel like are crushing it and you say, wow, they're doing this and it, they're doing that right. So can we do that? I mean, that's just, that's business. Um, right. So, yeah. And even like you were saying, even if you don't, so you don't even have to, it could be a totally different industry and you may not even like the product or like the message, but just seeing how it's implemented, you know? Yeah. And I've, I feel like in their case, they've kind of got lightning in a bottle um, for a few reasons. And, and I think to me, it's not even so much about their quality of the content they make because to me nothing's super special about about what you see um con yeah quality wise or anything like that um i mean they they used to just put a heavy blue filter on everything and now it seems like they've switched to a heavy yellow filter i don't know like you see things like that but there's nothing really all that all that dramatic about the actual quality of the content for them, I think they've got such a, it's the people in the video, right? I mean, because even, <clears throat> and, and the way that they, the way that they shoot and they've created a polarizing, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that polarizing view of them, of that love hate type thing draws people to the videos, even people who, you go through the comments, plenty of people that hate them, obviously still follow them and comment all the time. And the fact that they can draw that much, uh, into those posts is what helps them. And that's what gets your posts to rank high and show up in people's feeds and stuff on Instagram. So <clears throat> it's all kind of a game. And to me, um, it's about trying to build, um, I think it's important to 
also ask yourself, how can we build interest in, in ourselves and the people that are in the video? Right. I mean, you can make a really cool video, but if you, but if all that is there to watch is the cool shots and stuff like that, um, then I don't know that that you can get people to continually come back as much as, um, is what you're actually filming. The people that you're filming, what they're doing in that video, I think is so important. And that's, what's going to get people to come back because you don't see anybody commenting on their posts about the quality of, of their shots or the angles of the shots. You don't see that at all. You see. That's so the way I would look at that is because it's done so well, you don't notice it. Like the best videography is the videography that is so natural that it just flows. You won't, most people won't pick up on the mask transitions. They won't understand the color grading or how they did the audio or the fact that there was four different mic inputs for those different shots. But when it comes together at the end, that finished product is, is what makes that you able to focus on that video. Because what I end up seeing and why I'm so obsessed with creating that, that video perfectly throughout the whole thing is because if you get on a video and you're watching a vlog or something and the audio is not good, exposure is not right, people don't understand necessarily why they don't like it, but they don't like it and people bounce just statistically speaking, if it's not right. Um, even things like I've been learning from other friends who do a lot of marketing who are way smarter than me is like frame rates on video, just even using the correct frame rate at the right time is critical depending on what you're doing. And people don't understand like a lot of folks don't know why it doesn't look right, but it doesn't look right. So that's when I'm, when I'm looking at guys like, like T-Rex and there's a bunch of other companies as well. They're just the easiest example to use right now is like you were saying, they have the, the personalities there and the people, but they have the sound design, the, the good music choices. Cause they have in their family, a music producer, which helps out big time. And then it's carrying through with that final product. And that's my end goal with TA targets is creating not just you're know, not just a company around steel targets, but a culture around targets in the content in those targets using them. Um, the other powerful tool is if we're creating epic content that people are consuming regularly, you have the ability to bring in tons of new people and entertain them and get them focused and using the right language even. That's one thing I, I really think um, has become more normal in the gun industry is normalizing certain things because they have to be, you know, otherwise a good example is, I don't know, even just modern rifles. You know, we come up with these cute little terms, modern sporting rifles and whatever politically correct term, but we come up with those things because our culture around us, I don't know, a military grade weapon is seen as something abnormal. And I think there is a responsibility in the industry to 
you know, be using our platforms that we have to be educating those people. So like I, I have a very in-depth plan of where I'm going to go with the company and the content. It's just going to take a couple years and that's the hard part is finding the right people while we're also ramping up other channels and I'm kind of managing other things. So it kind of slowed down a little bit for right now, but the, the, the thing that I asked that it, me and Dusty, we, we went to the range last week too. And before we went, we were just kind of talking about what, what we wanted to try to go, go and get. And I said, I feel like, I feel like we've been missing a, a big, thing with our content creation <clears throat> and that's we do a poor job of showing people why they need our products you know we can show them all this sexy cool exciting footage of using it on the range and stuff but we don't do a good job of showing that day-to-day -day, um you know what it's doing for you because that's because ultimately people are going to purchase something when they when they when they can understand what the product is going to do for them and if all we show is cool action videos of using the product that that doesn't really it doesn't really help people it doesn't show people why they need the product um and what it does for them because people don't just want to spend money on things just just because it's used in in cool videos they want to spend money on something that's going to make their lives better and so you know the the, the thing i told us i said we need to really figure out you know how does that look what's some ways that we can do a better job of showing people you know a how the product how the product works is important um, you know, the, the, the features of it and why, and, and why it, why it's special. But then also, uh, again, I, I, th I think what, what we've done a poor job is of, of explaining and showing people why it makes their life better. And so, I don't know, that, that's, that's what we're going to try to figure out. I, I've got some ideas that I want to, that I want to try to do when we were in California with the guys out there. Um, is try to get a glimpse. I want to try to show people a glimpse of who they are and how and why they they use our products in their life and how it helps them. And I I, I really think that's going to be huge because if if we continue just to assume that people already have a need for the product then then you don't have to show people that like if if all you do is show you know how it's made and what it's used for but you don't show people you know why it makes your life better i don't know think about apple like they don't they don't show you you know they don't tell you oh this this device will hold <clears throat> like is it, <clears throat> at least in the commercials they don't show you um you know it has you know so many gigabytes of of space and you can put this many songs and this many apps and no, they, in the commercials, they show you, you know, 
you know, how it's being used to make your life better. And so that's that lifestyle. So that's what, that's where I want to go with what we're doing is. So in our experience, in my experience, when we've done videos that were simply, this is the product, this is how it works. This is why you need it. That doesn't paint the whole picture. Ultimately creating that lifestyle content where you don't even have to talk about the product. That's those companies that, you know, I look at, you know, just use black rifle coffee for an example. Those dudes don't even have to tell you that they're selling coffee because you know. And so there was a lot of framework, just like Apple, Apple in the very beginning over the course of, you know, decades now did a lot of framework at the beginning to get to the point where they don't have to talk about the specs, you know, that you're buying into a lifestyle. So that's what I'm like constantly trying to hunt and figure out, figure out. And when we do it well, it is insane what we get on the back end. When, you know, when we were out on the range and we weren't talking even about the targets, but we were creating these vlogs that were epic the amount of DMS I got on TA targets, Instagram page and Keystone carries just about the video and the quality and the information presented was more than I've ever had with anything that we've done. The hard part is those video edits take me 20 hours to edit and they take two range days to shoot. And so it's extremely time consuming. So that's where I'm like, there's definitely a balance of, you know, it not putting all your eggs in that and then running with that. And because of that, so, you know, here's one other update that we're doing. We're working with a couple other, we brought somebody else on for sales and I don't remember if I talked about that last week, but investing in them to chase down a couple other avenues for selling. And at the same time, our other government stuff is picking up so that I can pull away from some of these different steps in sales, which I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth. I go between, okay, I'm just doing content and then I go back and now I'm managing, now I'm doing sales and things like that. But putting a couple of those other pieces in place now is going to free me up to continue to pursue that other, other avenue. Cause the other thing you got to, mm-hmm. one thing I'll tell people and, I'm my passion lies in content. That's what, when I wake up, I'm excited to figure out how to make an epic video, how to take an epic photo, how to tell a story through content. And that's not going to be everybody's, you know, full passion. And, And that's why I've personally invested so heavily in not just gear. Cause it's like, it's like buying a gun. I mean, you could go deck out a Glock and, get every cut and fancy trigger and a, get a nice SRO on top and you could still suck at shooting. So, the, you know, cameras and content are the same way, mm-hmm. but that's why it's become, you know, I, five years ago, I didn't know what my passion was. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what do I want to do from my business. I just knew that I wanted to create a path that ultimately at some point gave me more freedom. 
I, I knew that much, but I didn't know inside the business exactly how that looked. But now I know what my role is. I know what my, my dream is. And it's awesome to be able to, it's just awesome to be able to see that on unfolding, even though we've hit some roadblocks lately and had a lot of trials and things like that. I'm excited to see what you know, the next four or five years brings out. So speaking of the next four or five years, I mentioned last week that, that I was planning on, on kind of having a think session and coming up with a 10 year yeah. plan type of stuff. So me and the guys are going <clears> to <throat> me, Dusty and Nate are going to get together tomorrow after work after a couple hours and kind of dig in and, and talk about some big vision plans for the next five, 10 years. So I'm pretty excited about it. We have to do a follow up podcast and kind of get an idea of yeah where you see the future. Yeah. You know, you know we, we've already kind of just in talking about getting ready for, for that, like we've already kind of talking about some of these things and um, it's kind of funny to, to hear them even thinking about like each of us individually are thinking about some of the same things. Uh, so it's, it, it's kind of neat to see that we're all on the same big picture page, even before we have a chance to, to really sit down and dig into it. I'm not expecting to have a fully complete polished 10 year plan tomorrow night, but, um, but just, to even just to sit down and just talk about the future and where we'd like to see things and, and the possibilities of it. I know just, just having those conversations in the past, even just like casual conversations about, Hey, it'd be cool to, it, it'd be cool in the future to have two CNC machines of being in, being a new shop. Well, here we are. And I don't know that that would have happened without that, you know, that, that conversation and that vision being out there. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to put stuff on paper really helps me out. And I think there's something, I, I, I think when, when you take the time to sit down and write out like you're, you know, I know people do vision boards and stuff like that. Some of it may sound kind of hokey, but when you actually take the time to do that and it's something that you look at frequently and you come up with, plans to get there it's going to happen it's, it's going to be much more likely to happen than if you just in your head have these have these plans so yeah no that's you know it's funny because i think it's corny as anything when i hear people saying they're manifesting their destinies because i don't i don't think you just will things into existence but what happens when you start discussing and creating plans is naturally you're going to start taking steps towards that end goal. And even if they're very small, even if you're not a very motivated person or you're not really going at it with your full intensity, if you have a roadmap, at least in my experience, you just naturally start to think about the things that you're doing and making sure that you're moving toward that end goal. But that's, you know, one thing that I've seen there too, which I always found kind of funny, but I, maybe you have some input on it, is there's a lot of people that I've talked to that I've asked about 
you know, we've talked business and things like that. I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a couple people that I've talked to that would just say something like, well, I don't know what the future holds. So I don't know, you know, it, it doesn't seem worth planning 10 years out because I don't know what's coming. Well, well, what do you think about that? Can you say that one more time? So essentially people saying they don't know the future or they don't have the data. And I guess at the beginning I would have fallen into this camp a little bit, but there's, there's definitely the existence of people not planning 10 years out because they know that things are going to change or they feel like they don't have enough info to plan out. And that's what I was just asking. Yeah. I mean, you're about to enter into that. So well, and put on that. Yeah. I mean, that was me not long ago. I mean, a month ago, I was like, uh, I, I, I had the question asked, you know, what's your, what's your long-term plan for the business? <clears throat> and my response at that time was, Psh, how am I supposed to know? Like things, things over the last five years have, 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 have progressed <clears throat> beyond where I, th I thought we would be. But when I started thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? We're exactly where in my mind, I hoped that we would be. I just didn't think we'd be here this quickly, which I kind of led to the next thought of, <clears throat> well, why not take the time to, 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 to sit down and actually write out and speak those plans and hopes and dreams um and then work on making a plan to to get there because yeah i wanted to be right where we are but i thought this is where we'd be in 10 years not five so why not sit down and and make that 10-year plan so you can get there in two <laughs> so you, well yeah i mean in two more you, years you might get there in five but you, and you also might get there in 15 but you make that plan. Um, well, you set that goal, you set that dream and you, and you do the best you can to make a roadmap and plans to get there. And you're going to have to, I mean, this 10 year plan is going to change probably monthly. You know, it, it's not, it, it's a, it's a map in the sand. I think is what I called it last week. <clears throat> so it's, there's a quote and I was, I was going to try to find this quote. Um, something like, uh, I know the, I'm going to butcher it. I know the plans, right? I know the future is going to be kind to me because I intend to make it. It's, it's, it's something like that. And um, yeah, I know the future is going to be kind to me because I intend to make it. And that's, that's that's what you have to do you have to you, know, you have to you have to make things happen <clears throat> and the only way you're going to make things happen is if you if you at some point you have to write it down you have to you have to materialize those plans like you know neither of us have a business without at some point materializing and physically making the thing that we want to make and sell, you know, and that's the difference between people who, who dream and who do, um, is you actually have to take the time to, 
to actually make a plan and then actually make something. I have to, I had to tell myself just, just like a month or two ago, just for this, for this new idea that I have, I'm like, you know what? I just need to do it. I need to quit, quit thinking through what I want this thing to be. And, and really even just drawing the thing up in, in fusion isn't enough. Like that's a step, but at some point, like I need to start making something. So I've got 3d printed models here sitting next to me and I've, I've got, I've, I've made some phone calls to get some other parts made for prototyping and stuff. So at, at some point you have to just do it. And that's kind of what I realized with this 10 year plan thing is, it, it, um, yeah, I've, I've no idea where we're going to be in a year. And even when we come up with this 10 year plan, um, yeah, I, I have no idea what next year holds, let alone 10 years from now, but to take the time to sit down and, and, and try to figure out a, uh, or just kind of our dream goal of where to be, then at least if doors open, we'll know which doors to go through. Right. Uh, on it, 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 does going through the store further my, my plan of action to get to, to that point or not? So. <clears throat> it's fun stuff. It's yeah. fun. I actually find a lot of joy in looking forward and, you know, I, I would say my business partners aren't necessarily as much dreamers as I am. I'm definitely, when it comes to thinking forward, you know, where could this possibly go? That's usually landed on my lap where I'm the one that comes up with the crazy I'll make the crazy statement that in a year we're going to have a fiber laser sitting down here and this is how we have to get to that point. And a lot of people will look at that and be like, Holy cow, I know what that machine costs and there's no, there's no way. I'm like, well, yeah, there, there could be a way, but the only way that you can do that is to think of it ahead of time. you like, you don't, I don't like waiting until we have a need and then trying to fill that need. You know what I mean? I want to know that when we hit this amount in sales, this is going to be a need that we're going to have. And I'd rather discuss that two years ahead of time so that when that need pops up, we've already planned it rather than just rolling the dice and, you know, continuing to just kind of be part of a snowball, but not actually directing which side of the mountain I'm going down. You know, yep. if, if it's going to be, an avalanche of sales and we're going to grow rapidly. That's amazing. But you better have a plan for what you're going to do in that period, or at least even if you don't, because I, I think, I think we, it's very easy, at least for me to kind of plan too minute, you know, try to get too many details in place. And then like you said, I'll be changing my plans monthly. If I'm looking at it too fine of a, a detail, but yeah, just having some kind of a pulse of where you're headed is so critical. Yep. Even if you think it's impossible, because I think at this point we've kind of both said at points, there's no way that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's happening. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, and you can't, you can't change world events. You can't control the things that happen to you 
out, you know, secondary things that occur and, and that's when you pivot, but it's still no excuse to not come up with something. Yeah. And even you know, if, if the year, if this year has been, has been brutal for, for your company, I think even it's been even more important to have that, that long-term plan because <clears throat> yeah, this is a dip in the road. Um, but it's probably even more important to be careful which, which doors you, that you step through. Um, because it's going to affect where you're going to be after you get through this, which we are, you know, this is going to, you know, <clears throat> either all this that's going on is a precursor to something bigger or, <clears throat> or we're See, through the worst of the it. Problem. I that's don't know. the problem is we'll find out. Some, some puppet master is pulling all the strings this year. <laughs> so, you know what time I think it's for? Oh man, here we go. Ace break. Ice break. Ice break. You know, I never look forward to that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you act like you don't, but you love it. So it's probably not the word I would choose. This uh, this week, what is your best scar story? Chicks as in scars. as in injuries injuries yeah not the not the fn scar yeah i was gonna say i don't have a scar i wish i did so yeah i mean i back in high school decided it was cool to put fingers through a bandsaw so i guess does that count i mean i have a pretty cool scar on my fingers so what explain the damage that that that, that, that uh, entailed. Yeah, so this is really random though, Greg, but anyway, I'm in the firearms industry, so just bear with me for a second. So back when I was, man, I don't know, had to have been 16, 17, 18, I don't remember. It was when I was younger. I was working on a bandsaw and it was at my high school and the break, there's a foot break that was supposed to work. It never, never worked. And I was just sitting there with my foot on the foot break, trying to get the blade to slow down. And I, I don't remember why, but I just had like an itch on my knee. So I just like reached down to scratch it. And the blade went dunk and came to a complete stop. And I didn't realize it. You know, I never looked under the machine. There's about a foot and a half of the actual blade that spun under the table. So yeah, I decided that fingertips were no longer necessary and yeah, that was the probably one of my scariest days in my life. So did you have uh, to have anything reattached or what was Oh the... yeah, yeah, I had some nice stainless or not stainless but titanium rods in my fingers and stuff. So fast forward though and just recognize that I just talked about content creation. I just talked about how much I love shooting and creating content about shooting and all that stuff. I had I have no feeling in my right hand pointer finger and ring finger so what do you do with the trigger press the trigger so it's it was really really hard for me to learn how to shoot a handgun and relearn shooting rifles and just working through all of that 
and I don't know why I never really talked about that much because I guess it doesn't matter. I can shoot a gun well. I learned through it and figured out how to make it work. But yeah, that's my scar story, man. That that was I had to wear a crazy cast over my fingers and I just remember like I literally have I guess you'd call it PTSD around bandsaws. I still to this day hate using bandsaws. Yeah. If I'm cutting something and it kind of kicks back a little bit, I freak out. It's like not freak out in a way that's dangerous or I, I can't continue, but it's like my heart stops. I get an adrenaline pump. Um, I definitely am ultra cautious around saws and spinning, spinning blades. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I wish I could say I learned a lot from that experience. I guess just don't put your hands in saws. Yeah. As best That's as a, possible. <laughs> like table saws freaking me out. I have I have one. I use them all the time. But man, like seeing a table with a with razor blades <laughs> spinning at however many RPM is just terrifying. And people run table saws with the blade sticking like way up through what they're cutting. Yeah. And, and like you're supposed to kind of get it just a little bit above what you're cutting so that if you do slip over it, you know, you're, you're probably not going to chop your entire hand off. You're going to get like a, a nice scar, yeah. some stitches, but I've saw people dude, they're cutting like half inch plywood and it's sticking out of the plywood, like an inch and a half. I'm like, ah, it just makes me shudder. Yeah. Like lower that blade, man. But yeah. I, so I'm weird around equipment now. It makes me feel weird. Um, grinders and stuff anything that spins you know anytime i'm working on something or fabricating i'm like taking my wedding ring off so i don't get it caught in things and keeping my hands far back because that was a, a very traumatic experience yeah i can imagine but i have you know it, it's weird because it was my fingertips it was like at the first knuckle and i can bend them and use them and it's it's weird it's amazing what you can you know what surgeons and things can do nowadays but Anyway, that's enough of rehashing my old traumas. I don't have anything that dramatic. Uh, I think my worst is probably, and I'm sure a lot of us uh, probably have a similar story, but I was riding my bike down the down the street when I was a kid, and I don't remember exactly why or what I was doing. I think it was it was pretty wet out. I think I was probably trying to show off for a girl and wreck my bike and basically drag my kneecap on the ground for, I don't know, it felt like a mile, of course, but uh, it was long enough. 12 feet. <laughs> it was it was long <laughs> enough to uh, grind my all the skin down and actually kind of scrape bone on my kneecap. And I pretty much, I got up and went home, showed my mom. I was like, mom, look, uh, I wrecked my bike. And she kind of panics. I'm like, it, I just, I think I just maybe threw some Neosporin on it and a bandage and went back out and rode my bike. And I still have a nice, like my knee capsule, I got a nice big scar in it. That's probably the worst, the worst of them. There's another one. Um, I was, I was kind of whittling away at a piece of wood with a pocket knife and the knife slipped and there, there must've been like a point of, of wood sticking up. It, and it uh, entered just above the first knuckle on my 
pointer finger and exited. Uh, so it was just, yeah, it went underneath the second knuckle basically <laughs> and came out, came out the other side. And I'm like, again, I think I went in and showed my mom, I'm like, mom, look. And basically I had this, this piece of wood that like I'd bend my finger and it would kind of pulled up the, I don't know. It was pretty gross. And I think that one, I think we did go to a doctor to, to, to have him take that one out. Greg's past traumas are the fact that he never went to a doctor to get things fixed. No. A little bit of Neosporin and duct tape. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> fine. <laughs> Just a flush wound. It's a flush wound. So that's pretty much it. I mean, I got a bunch on my shins from bike pedals and all that sort of thing, but I've not removed any of my body parts. So you, you, a, yeah, don't do it. It's just not, beat as on fun, that. not as fun as you'd think. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think it's probably a good way to end today's podcast. So uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do next week on vacation. We we're kind of chatting be- beforehand. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get something out, but, if we don't get a podcast out next week, that'll be why. Yep. So I'm vacationing. Turns out Greg doesn't want to work every single day for the rest of his life. Well, want and actually doing your two different things. I want to work, but I should probably go vacation with my family for a while. Give him one or two days a year. But I will be in Western PA, so if you want to come out and... Oh, yeah? meet up maybe see pennsylvania is so big though it takes it forever to it's get across so, yeah it's stupid it's not like it's just a little two-hour drive It'd be like probably five hours just to get to you depending oh. on where you're at how far north you are weren't you five be... to my house how far were you in my house weren't you like five to my house maybe five and six i don't know so it'd be, a, it'd be three <laughs> three three and a half Unless you went north. I'm going directly east. Uh, we'll talk about it. Let's talk. All right, guys. appreciate right. you tuning in to Thanks this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends how awesome we are in this podcast. Talk about battle scars and business. Yeah. That's what it should have been called is oh, battle scars I'm, and business. New podcast name. That's what, that's what this podcast is going to be named. Thanks for... I, I, I spend more time trying to figure out what to name these podcasts than I do like editing it. Battle scars and business. Scars and business. Boom. Cool. All right, right, guys. We'll catch up with you next time. Yep. Yep.